Welcome back to One More Dig, Metal Detecting Stories. I'm Dave Spannenberg. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you liked the last podcast, A Visit from Clark. Clark and I had a great time sitting down rehashing a trip from a long time ago, and it had a great response from you listeners, actually. It's one of the fastest um, actually, it's the most downloads in the shortest amount of time of any of the podcasts I've done. So we'll definitely have him on again, maybe every four or five episodes. I think season two is probably going to be 10 episodes. Um, the first season was 17, and that really feels like a long season. So this is episode two of season two and so as always please email me at omdstories at gmail.com with any questions or comments i have received a fair amount of emails um just asking questions a few of you wanted the uh the settings for the equinox 800 that i that i got from john bradbury um and other other questions um, about finding permissions and and things like that, and also several folks um, during their listeners appreciation giveaways uh, received some one more dig T-shirts and stickers. So make sure if you do have questions, uh, omdstories at gmail dot com, and I always answer. Um, also, I'm in the middle of setting up an online store, which will carry one more dig merchandise. Um, it will also serve as a tool where if um, I have another appreciation event, I can just give a code to the, uh, to the winner and they can go in and pick something in a specific um, price range. It won't have to be a shirt. There's going to be um, other items, other One More Dig branded items um, in the store. I'm just finishing setting it up. I have to set up the uh, pay mechanism. I think it's just going to be uh, PayPal. And yeah, there'll be some cool stuff. You'll get to pick different color shirts. It won't just be for those of you who know the ash gray um, that I currently have, but you can pick pretty much any color um, and have it imprinted on a shirt. I may even have uh, mugs and some other types of types of goodies. Um, but yeah, so I don't think I've mentioned it yet, but here we go. This will be probably a short and sweet episode but this week i'd like to talk about metal detecting in the woods and i'm just taking this information from my experiences i'm as always the qualifier it's not right or wrong and i'm not saying that my methods or ideas are better or worse than others it's just how i've learned either from watching friends or club members um or just by trial and error, um, everybody sort of has their own way of doing things, and it comes from somewhere usually. And 
um, then they decide what's best and easiest for them. But so hunting the woods. So the first thing, the woods are always available, even when fields are tall or hay has not been cut or um, corn has already been planted and you can't get out in the fields. Um, also, I don't know if this is true, but I, I have a, a feeling that a landowner, if they don't let you in their fields, they may be um, more likely to allow you to hunt the woods. Um, that's just <laughs> pure conjecture. I don't know if it's true, but it seems like you know, digging a hole in the woods is a much different um, look for a landowner. But so anyway, these are the areas that I target, um, at least at first. And keep in mind, um, most what I'm specifically talking about are old properties and my permissions, um, my main permission is a farm that's been farmed since 1700 and there is a house on it that was built um, not long after that. And so when these houses were built, when these lands were farmed, there was no woods and the fields came right up to the stone walls. And this might even be more specific to northeastern um, United States, but I still think it's it's pretty interesting how uh, how things change over the years. But there, um, the fields would would basically go right up to the stone walls, and they built the stone walls to um, you know delineate boundaries for fields. And so when you hunt in the woods, you're hunting where I mean the woods, however long they've been grown up. Um, they were still once a place that were, were likely plowed and and so it's basically hunting in the fields but there's a lot more um, things are, are much deeper because of the years and years and years of leaves falling and turning to soil and whatever um, but the the places that I start the stone walls themselves. Um, I spend time going around the perimeter of stone walls because my theory is, okay, in 1700 when this wall was built, well, it was humans with buttons on their shirts and coins in their pockets and, and whatever else, shoe buckles. And, and so they were just as likely to lose stuff um, building the walls as they were to probably uh, farming the land. So I start there. Um, I've actually hunted like the, the wall itself um, sometimes and I found you know some things. I, f I found some old horseshoes that were barely rusted because they've been in the wall and not sitting in any sort of acidic um, environment like the ground um, but people used to bury stuff in stone walls and caches and there were no banks obviously so um, 
I would always, I always give the stone walls a quick, quick uh, once over. Um, and I look for cellar walls, which, so the place that I go has been actually the, the sheet on it says farmed since the late, late 1600s. Um, I said 1700, but they didn't put an exact date. And the house is older, which means at one point there had to have been a dwelling on this land. And, um, you know, before records were kept or something, there had to be some place people lived. And so lots of times you'll find really old cellar walls. They almost don't even look like it because of generations of organic matter falling in. But they, uh, usually they're, they're pretty discernible. I mean, you can, they first, at first they look like, um, stone walls and then, and then you can kind of make out, um, a square rectangular pattern, but cellar walls are great. Again, people built them and lost stuff and then they, they were outside working and, um, in the colonial days, I keep saying buttons and, and, and old coins and other, um, other artifacts up for, you know, however long the building was there. And then after when it was farmed by whomever for, I don't know, 10 decades. So, or longer in a lot of cases, um, wells always detect around wells and if you know where the house house was that footpath or that that line back and forth between the house and the wells is probably the most walked path in the life of a colonial um, settler or probably anyone who lived with their well as their uh, dug well as their main water um, so always do that path, always do around the well. People bent over. Um, uh, that's always been kind of a place that that I've thought was a, made a lot of sense and I've actually was taught that um, a long, long time ago by some, by Earl. Um, and then as you go around, this is for you you battle diggers, which I'm on some Facebook groups and uh, some really cool battles are found that can definitively date areas, um, which is which is cool. And so every farm had a dump somewhere on it. Um, there weren't landfills in 1750, so um, you know, go around that a little bit. You never know what, what you'll find. Um, get tired of digging. Digging old uh, metal junk in there, but you never know what you'll see um, in the proximity or, or whatever. So remember, woods were fields at one point. Most of New England was fields and um, didn't have trees at, at one point it was it was just fields 
farming agriculture um, a lot of the things I some of the things I found I mean it runs the gamut because I live actually I live on a property where the it's been farmed since early 1700s and so people have been living um, I think the house the original house burned down sometime in the last 10 or 15 years and was maybe 75 yards from my house and uh, so there have been people living there for a long long time and uh, I found everything from cap guns to pewter buttons to ox shoes horseshoes I found a granite wedge which would have been used for making the foundation blocks for the houses a lot of houses colonial houses um, their foundations are made out of large granite blocks and up in my woods I can see like a granite boulder where they put screws in to break it I'm assuming it's screws and then I found the wedge the stone wedge um, right next to it um, in, in fairly good shape too the, you know the iron was pretty pretty good back then and it didn't rust as much as our iron in modern time or you know in in our era I should say um, but yeah New Hampshire's called the granite state because of the large deposits of granite um, we have and it's beautiful and it was cut for foundations and other other neat things um, my front steps and back steps are are granite we have uh, I live as the crow flies about a mile from Swenson granite which is a large um, granite mining company in New Hampshire and so there's a lot of it here and that uh, that splitter that I found was really cool um, and so hunting in the woods creates a different need for digging and I probably covered this um, when I did the um, can you dig it podcast about different types of digging but what I use in the woods because there are lots of roots um, stuff is deep I use a long-handled shovel and it has serrated edges and I use the long-handed because it's got a lot of leverage because you have to um, dig through a lot of roots um, which makes sense because in the woods are the trees so I use a longer handled shovel um, it's a lesh shovel actually both sides are serrated and actually the I don't know it's maybe 36 inches maybe a little longer 38 inches I believe and uh, it's got very sharp edges and it's just easier to to dig in the woods than with my little um, my little shovel that I use out in fields um, and obviously digging with a with getting on your knees and digging with a lesh tool, tool in the woods is uh, sort of asking for a whole lot of work for a little lot of for a little bit of payback um, 
so yeah. And the items, as I said before, they tend to be deeper because um, of years of leaves falling. But truthfully, today's detectors can go, you know, 12 inches and more. Um, I've owned many machines over the years, most recently an Equinox 800, XP Deus, and Nocta Macro Simplex. And each of these machines can reach 12 inches and, you know likely more. I don't want to exaggerate. It's hard to tell exactly when you dig a hole how deep it is. Um, but I know that I found stuff with each of those um, a foot deep. So that's the end of this week's podcast. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening, for downloading. Um, please rate and review the podcast. I really appreciate it. Email me at omdstories at gmail.com with any questions, comments, and as always, remember to make one more dig. This has been One More Dig Metal Detecting Stories, and I'm Dave Spannenberg. Mm -hmm.